This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for July 3rd, 2020. The story of a man in the middle attack on a cell phone, Google Analytics gets a pass in macOS Big Sur, is TikTok spying on you, and Josh explains ThiefQuest ransomware for the Mac. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Hey, Josh, have you ever wondered if, like in the movies, they could hack your iPhone just when you visit some random website? Yeah, it, you know, most of the time when you see something like that on TV or a movie, it's kind of um, a little bit fanciful, I guess you might say. Um, a lot of times they, they don't really show these things. They don't depict them in a way that represents reality. Well, we've got a story from, it's about two weeks old. Um, it's from The Star in Canada. And the story is that a journalist's phone was hacked by a new invisible technique. All he had to do was visit one website, any website. Now, you're going to explain this, but it's not just a random journalist. This is someone who was in the crosshairs of nation states. This involved, like, vans and remote servers set up and stingrays. And you can explain what a stingray is. And essentially, even though he had an iPhone, all he needed to do was go to a website, and this nation state could hack his phone. That's right. Basically, what's going on here is that uh, if somebody uh, is in a privileged network position, so generally this means that uh, it's your uh, internet service provider, or in the case of a mobile phone, that of course, that's your, your phone network. Uh, and, and if somebody has access to that network, then theoretically, they could intercept any, any internet communications to or from your device. So if you have any network request that goes over an unsecured protocol, like HTTP, for example, um, then that could be intercepted and modified in transit. And it could be maliciously modified. So what seems to be going on here is that they're talking about this uh, scenario where somebody is able to inject themselves so that whatever traffic is going to and from this particular journalist's phone if there's anything insecure that it can automatically be written on the fly to inject some uh, malicious code. So let me give you an example. So let's say that there's um, some special vulnerability and this would have to be a zero day vulnerability unless you have a really outdated phone that doesn't run the current version of iOS. But if you have an outdated phone or if someone has some brand new vulnerability they bought on the black or gray market uh, that Apple doesn't know about yet and hasn't patched, then they can use that vulnerability to uh, basically infect your device. And they'll, they'll do this, of course, in a way that you won't know that your device is infected. And of course, there's no antivirus software for iOS. Thank you, Apple, for making sure that that's something <laughs> that can't be done. And uh, so you have no way to know that you're infected. Um, and that's it sounds like that's what they're describing in this article. They talk about, as you mentioned, Stingray, which is uh, sort of a man in the middle 
um, a way for, for somebody to park in a van outside. Uh, and if they're closer to you than your cell tower, then they can basically become a proxy, a man in the middle, um, that's able to then tamper with your, your traffic, uh, going to your phone. It's a fascinating story. Um, and in fact, we're going to do an episode in a few weeks talking about how hacking is portrayed in the movies and on TV. And this is actually, we see things like this in movies and we say it's fanciful and ridiculous, yet it can be done. It's true. I mean, most of the time, it's not going to happen this way. It's, it is, it, it is again, very sophisticated equipment. You need to have access to vulnerabilities that cost lots of money, like you know, quarter million dollars often or, or more than that. Um, so this is not something that like your average, you know, bad guy is going to be able to do and use against you, but it is something that, um, actually can be done in very specific circumstances with the right equipment and with enough money. Okay. Um, we've got a couple of Google stories. Now, we mentioned in the previous episode about some new features in iOS 14 and macOS 11, Big Sur. Um, one of them is the tracker blocker in Safari, and both on mobile and on the Mac. And um, over at Six Colors, my colleague Dan Morin points out that um, Safari 14 will not block Google Analytics. The reason is that Google Analytics is a first-party analytics platform. Now, the main reason that Apple is blocking trackers is because it's trackers that are sharing data with others, particularly ad networks. Google Analytics, while it does um, hook into uh, Google's ad network, DoubleClick and, and others, it's often used by people just to track the traffic coming into their website. Intego uses Google Analytics because you know which pages people visit, how long they stay for. Is Google Analytics malicious? Is it a tracker as such? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I, I personally don't think that Google Analytics is malicious. Um, and yeah, it is a tracker and or can be used for for tracking purposes, I suppose. Um and but most websites that use Google Analytics are using it so they can get some basic demographic data about the the type and quantity of people that are accessing their site. So it's not designed with malicious intent by any means. But um, it's certainly understandable that a lot of people would want to block trackers because the the, the whole idea of somebody, uh, especially a big company, knowing every place that you've been online, um, you know, it sounds a little scary. Um, the way that uh, Google Analytics is supposed to work is that basically it gives some visibility into who's visiting a website so that the website operator will have access to that information. And of course, the problem that people have is that Obviously, Google has access to that same information. Right. And Google gives this away for free in exchange for collecting that data. True. Now, what is worth noting, though, is that this is not supposed to be tied to your identity. The idea is that this is all anonymous, aggregated data. Um, and so, you know, that's that's why this is ostensibly not something that we should have to worry too much about. But of course, uh, if you don't trust Google, then it's certainly understandable that you might want to block this as well. So, so the whole thing that we were talking about last week where Apple actually showed in a screenshot 
that uh, they block Google Analytics well. Yeah, they kind of sort of do, but it's it's more Google Analytics will still be able to function the way that it does for website operators. They'll still be able to get the uh, data about people visiting their site. It's more um uh that in certain circumstances, yes, Google Analytics might be blocked, but it's not going to be at the level where it's going to shut down all of Google Analytics operations. Right. Um, another Google story we have on the next web, the Google will now auto-delete new user's history after 18 months by default. Um, there are some settings in Google where you can um, choose to auto-delete certain types of history, your web activity, app activity, location history, YouTube history. And uh, up until now, you had to manually choose to delete it. You have three options. You can either not auto-delete it, delete it after three months, or delete it after 18 months. I think Google deleting it at some point is good, but it kind of might be better if they automatically deleted it after three months. Right. You know, and this is, it's a step in the right direction, right? I mean, originally this was, uh, by default, it was just don't auto-delete any of my history. It's certainly a lot better that they're changing this to 18 months. I think the reason that Google is changing this to 18 months is because it's like, well, <laughs> that's still a lot of time that they, they yeah. you know, that they can go back and and they can make those correlations that they want to make behind the scenes. And uh, so 18 months is plenty of data as far as Google is concerned, right? Um, they do also give an option for auto-delete activity older than three months, as you mentioned, which I think that's probably a little more reasonable. Three months is still a lot of time because, you know, if you think about it, you're probably visiting the same places at least monthly, if not, you know, weekly in, in many cases. So when it comes to location history, um, three months worth of data is still enough to pretty much know every place that you've been. But it's better to have it set to auto-delete activity older than three months than to not have it ever delete <laughs> this activity. So we'll have an article on the Intego Max security blog um, explaining how you can change this setting and also a link back to an older article I did early this year about all sorts of Google security and privacy settings. So TikTok is in the, We don't have a Zoom zinger, but we have two TikTok titillating, what could we call it, for TikTok. About a week ago, after the iOS 14 betas were released to developers, um, some some people found that TikTok was reading the clipboard every time you would type anything. So apps can read the clipboard. Apps can look at what you've copied because otherwise you couldn't paste them into the apps, right? They have access. But TikTok was doing this automatically, and iOS 14 pops up a little warning when an app reads your clipboard to let you know that this is happening. So TikTok has said that they're going to stop reading user clipboards after this has been discovered. But it also turns out that TikTok has been doing all sorts of data collection and spying, and TikTok doesn't sound very secure. Where do we begin with this? So <laughs> yeah, it turns out there's a lot more than just checking out what's on your clipboard. Um, some of the other things that it was caught doing, there was uh, somebody posted about some reverse engineering work that they had done to try to figure out all of the things that TikTok is doing. Um, and some of this is not terribly surprising that, I mean, really a lot of apps do some of these things. Uh, they can tell what phone hardware you're using. Uh, they can tell information about the network that you're, that you're using. They can tell whether your, your device is jailbroken or rooted if you have an Android. Uh, again, many apps do this. And so those things maybe are not terribly surprising. 
Um, but then some variants of the app, this uh, reverse engineer person said, w- uh, had GPS pinging enabled all the time, roughly once every 30 seconds. So that means they know constantly where you are, precisely where you are. Uh, that's a little concerning. Apparently, as of somewhat recently, even earlier this year, they weren't using HTTPS for uh, for all of their communications. They were still using HTTP, which is uh, unacceptable for 2020. That should have been fixed a long time ago. They're at least not using HTTP anymore. It sounds like they're using HTTPS. Um, but stacked on top of each other, it just seems like, ooh, you know, th- this this app doesn't seem like it's been respecting user privacy very well at all. Um, the fact that they just look at the contents of your clipboard, that already is is pretty concerning. And so it's understandable that if you have concerns about privacy, you may want to reconsider using TikTok at this point. Okay, there will be links about the TikTok stories in the show notes, and we'll come back in a second after the break to tell you about ThiefQuest, which is a new ransomware that has been discovered for Mac. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code PODCAST20 at checkout to save 40%. That's PODCAST20 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay, Thief Quest, or someone called it Evil Quest, didn't they? But that's the name of a game, so that doesn't really work. Uh, We've talked in the past about who gets to name malware. Thief Quest is a pretty mean bit of ransomware, isn't it? This came out just a few days ago. Um, It can do a lot of things to your Mac uh, uh, besides just asking for money to give you access to your files. Well, Thief Quest is pretty interesting. This first came to light, uh, as you mentioned, a few days ago, there was uh, a malware researcher who tweeted a few hashes, which um, are a way that you can find a particular sample if you know where to look. For example, on we mentioned recently VirusTotal is a site where you can upload a file and it'll scan it with a whole bunch of different antivirus engines. Um, and if you are a malware researcher, um, a legitimate researcher who's been vetted by VirusTotal to, and verified to actually be a legitimate malware researcher, then you can actually download samples from VirusTotal. Um, and so this person tweeted a few hashes 
and basically said, hey, there's some new ransomware for Mac. At the time, some other researchers were already, you know, analyzing this and, and preparing to, uh, to write up some uh, stories about it. Patrick Wardle wrote up the first analysis of this malware. And at the time, it was being called Evil Quest, as you mentioned, um, which turned out to be the name of a video game. And so <laughs> it's been renamed to Thief Quest. Essentially, the main things to know about this um, are that this is was initially identified as ransomware because it encrypts files on your system. Um, it turns out it's probably more likely a wiper because it doesn't really seem like you can actually undo the damage that it does. Once it encrypts your files, you may pay a Bitcoin ransom, but you're never getting your files back. Um, and there also is some spying capability in this. And all of this comes about because you, as a user, downloaded a, a disk image thinking that you're getting some software off of BitTorrent that uh, you're going to get illegally for free. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff here to parse. Yeah. So let's try and unpack that. Um, first of all, ransomware. Um, we haven't really seen ransomware on the Mac, have we? Uh, this is the first major ransomware that's come out. It, well, it's been a while. There, there's definitely been a few other examples of, of Mac ransomware. Um, most notably, I think Key, Key Ranger, File Coder, and Patcher are some some examples of of other ransomware that has has been on the Mac platform before. But it has been a while. It's been a while since we've seen any. Right. It's very common in Windows, and we keep reading stories about businesses that get um, hit with ransomware. And we're going to talk about how this. You mentioned that this comes from pirated software on the Mac, but um, on Windows, ransomware is relatively common. What's surprising about this is the ransomware is only asking for fifty dollars. That's not much. Maybe it's targeting people who I don't know. They don't think is going to pay a lot of money. Um, if, if you're targeting a business, obviously you're going to ask for a lot. Individuals, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't intended to be ransomware in the first place, anyway. Well, that's actually kind of an interesting question. Is this really supposed to be ransomware? Because we know that it doesn't really seem to have that uh, recovery bit uh, completed. So was it just poorly designed? Did they not finish it? Um, Or is there something else going on here? One theory is that perhaps because there is spying capability built into this, that maybe what they're really doing is they're trying to cover that up by pretending to just be ransomware. And uh, so maybe they didn't really care about getting any money from anybody. By the way, uh, it's worth noting that nobody has paid the ransom. There is a Bitcoin address that they give. And and so far, it doesn't look like anybody has actually paid the ransom. How can you know that? Is it possible to check a Bitcoin address and find its transactions? Yeah. There, well, there's a public ledger. And, and remember, we, uh, we had a, uh, an episode uh, previously where we had our producer, Victor, on. And we talked about how all this cryptocurrency stuff works. Okay. As, as we were preparing this episode, we decided we want to talk a little bit more about safe computing. Because the problem here is that the only way you can get this is if you're not practicing safe computing. The, we'll link to the article by Patrick Wardle on Objective-C, and he points out that big dialogue that you get when you go to open an app, macOS cannot verify the developer of this, and it's got the yellow alert icon. And you know that's for a reason. And so what that means is that either the app 
isn't notarized or it's not from a developer with a signed developer account. Um, now, this doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad app, and there are plenty still people who develop apps and distribute them like this, don't want to pay the $99 to have a developer account. Um, but if you see this, it should be a warning. Generally, any legitimate software, for the most part, is going to be signed by the developer um, because it's relatively inexpensive to to get a developer account so that you can sign software. You know, and, and there may be, it's mostly freeware apps uh, that tend to not necessarily be signed, but anything that you get on the app store, automatically that means that it is signed. Um, and for the most part, you know, if it's fairly popular software, even if it is freeware, most of the time the developer will get a developer account and sign their software. Um, so because the developer wants to distribute the software and they know that not having the software signed generates this error and they don't want this error. Right. In fact, Apple has made this dialog box scarier in more recent versions of Mac OS. As of Catalina, the dialog box says, uh, if you're, uh, double clicking on a PKG, a package file to install an application, it'll say by opening this app, you will be overriding system security, which can expose your computer and personal information to malware that may harm your Mac or compromise your privacy. So that's, it's kind of a long sentence and it's fine print. And so you have to really look closely at it to see that they say the word malware in there and privacy. But if you just kind of ignore that and just hit open, uh, which a lot of people probably do, um, you may not really realize what you're doing. So the other thing about safe computing is that this is software downloaded from BitTorrent sites. Um, Patrick Wardle's article has some screenshots of the Pirate Bay and other sites. It's, you know, it's not that cool to download pirated software. And so the, the software, it seems to have come in a number of different uh, pirated apps. One of them was the Google Software Updater, which you don't really need to pirate. So I don't understand that. Another one was Little Snitch, which is an app that alerts you to traffic going in and out of your computer. And I think there were others as well, weren't there? Yeah, another one of them was called Mixed in Key 8. Um, apparently, Mixed in Key is is a an application that apparently some people are trying to pirate. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so this is another one of those apps. Basically the, the thing to know here is that you shouldn't be downloading your software from torrents that that's not a good way to get software. <laughs> um, it's, it's very likely that if you're downloading an application from a torrent, uh, unless you know that the actual developer normally distributes their software that way and you download a torrent file directly from the developer, and this is very rare, by the way, that something like that would happen. Um, generally, you should assume that anything you're getting through a torrent is probably infected with malware. Interesting point, because I remember back in the day when I was playing around with Linux that I would download different Linux distributions via BitTorrent. Um, the reason was that bandwidth was more expensive, and by sharing it among a lot of people for multi-gigabyte downloads, it saved money for the developers. Yeah, exactly. And that is still the main exception to the rule. Um, Linux uh, often is still distributed through BitTorrent um, because of that exact reason. It's it, it costs a lot of money to host a file and then have you know thousands of people downloading that file. And so uh, using BitTorrent, a distributed peer-to-peer -peer network, is a very legitimate and uh, logical way to distribute software, That especially when, it's, uh, when it is a large file like that. 
um, where it's not normal is basically for just about anything else. Uh, most yeah. apps are not are not going to be distributed through BitTorrent. No, they're not. So th- there's a lot here to pay attention to. We don't want to say that if you get caught by this malware, you've been doing something nefarious on your own, but that is the way it is now. You're not going to get this from legitimate apps. It's really just, it's not, you know, back in the day when software was really expensive, I understand that some people would download things from BitTorrent, but these days it's not that expensive. You can get demos and it's just, there are too many risks. You know, I'm thinking back to the Mac OS 9 days um, when I didn't really use a lot of software, but I would get shareware and freeware. And we weren't worried so much about malware at the time. We had that app disinfectant that protected us against most things. And we didn't have this sort of threat that was criminal in the sense trying to get money from you. Back in the day, you know, malware was just to like show off and flash something on the screen. Um, But times have changed and it's a good idea to just avoid anything like this. There's a couple of things that I want to point out here. One, um, because it's not safe to, to um, try to get cracked or, you know, whatever illegal, um, versions of software, you should definitely avoid that. Um, and there even has been a fake uh, Intego installer that uh, in, in the past. And so, you know, definitely avoid that. It's not a good idea. You should always get your software from the developer's website or through the app store if it's available there. And the second thing is that it's, it's also important to, to make sure that you have legitimate real-time antivirus protection on your machine. Because it also has happened that legitimate applications distributed through the developer's website have even been compromised in the past. In fact, the Key Ranger ransomware that we talked about um, was distributed that way uh, multiple times where a developer had their software that they were distributing and someone had had gotten control of the server from which the developer was distributing that software and had changed the software there. So it actually can happen that even when you're downloading legitimate software from legitimate sources, it could still be compromised. And that's why it's, it's really important to just not write this off as, well, I never do anything bad, so I don't need antivirus software. It's there to protect you, just like an airbag in a vehicle. Um, most of the time, you're probably not going to need it, but you're really going to be grateful that you did have it when you run into a situation like that. Okay, well, that's enough for now. We'll have some uh, information on the Intego Mac security blog. It's worth pointing out that Intego Virus Barrier X9 protects against this new ransomware. Links in the show notes, articles on the blog. Josh, until next week, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. Intego.com.